I, I went to a selfish mode, which I think every creative has to be. And my selfish mode was forget about what people are going to say to you and scare you to not do it. Just focus in what you believe and give it time. And I, and I decided to. Hello and welcome to the Sneaky Art Podcast, a place where we have deep conversations with artists about the practice of drawing on location, also known as urban sketching. This podcast is for you if you're interested in becoming a better artist, a better observer, or if you're just looking for a way to positively engage with the world that you live in. If you're a new listener, I welcome you and I hope that you will have a great time listening to this conversation. I hope you like it enough to catch up with the other episodes as well. I'm proud to share a range of diverse voices drawing from different parts of the world with a unique perspective and many interesting stories to share. If you're a regular listener, I first want to say thank you. I like to hear from you, so feel free to reach out on Instagram, Twitter, or by email. Your enthusiasm and your interest helps me to keep making this show. I like to do all of this by myself, right from the job of reaching out to potential guests to dreaming up nice questions for them to the actual job of recording and then to the very real job of editing and transcribing each episode. Uh, this is nothing to complain about because as a control freak I would have it no other way. It does mean a lot of work, but I enjoy doing all of it. If you enjoy my work and would like to support it, you can now do so at the cost of just 1 cup of coffee. So, every time you listen to an episode and you like it, visit sneakyartist.com/support to buy me a coffee. Your support and the caffeine helps me to continue making this podcast as an independent artist. In today's episode, I'm speaking with traveler and urban sketcher Luis Simoes about his travels around the world. Luis quit his job as a graphic designer in his early 30s to backpack around the world, to travel cheap and light, and to draw all the interesting sights he saw in his quest to cover all five continents. what motivates a salaried young person to take on a life of such little comfort lots of certain risks and constant instability is there really a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow or is the goal the journey itself this is the longest conversation i have recorded for the podcast so far and that's because i had so many questions for him and he had so many interesting stories to tell But for those intimidated by the length I have some good news there is a break close to the 1 hour mark where I will summarize all the different things that we've discussed and introduce what lies ahead so in this first part we will begin the world sketching tour with Luis from Portugal his home country as he zigzags his way across Europe until he reaches Russia where he takes the Trans Siberian Express to travel through Mongolia and reach China We talk about the benefits of making art as a way to see the world, taking this big leap to start to see the world, the idea of not having fixed travel plans, and what it's like to confront an infinite alien landscape that is sometimes urban, sometimes natural, sometimes familiar, but often completely foreign. Hola Luis it is wonderful to speak with you and it is 
quite interesting that our first conversation is happening as a podcast. Yes, nice to meet you too. <laughs> I've looked at your work for a few months now and I have been really fascinated by what you do. I love the fact that you travel so much and I love the fact that you do something which is very close to my heart which is to sketch while you travel. And the first question I have for you the thing that this the reason why I really wanted to speak with you is just about that incredible decision that you took at one point and I want to take you back in time to that moment where you are in your 30s and you're working full time and you take this decision to leave this current life behind and travel and see the world can you tell me uh, what motivated this decision was it a difficult decision for you and how did you how did you come to take it uh i think it was it started as a an impulse and then slowly i started to make it grow in my head uh and tried to understand if that would be the right decision or not uh but i think as well i've when i was that age like 30s like you said i was pretty much convinced what i was able to do so far in my profession which was a graphic designer so i was doing graphic design 3d motion design for about 10 years already and once i finished university my first goal was to get a full time job and be good at it, at it and so for me that chapter was accomplished and i don't i don't know if it was the the 30 years christ changing age whatever you can call it but i felt uh, the urge of doing something bigger to my life you know to i couldn't see myself doing it for the next 10 years the same thing i would look around to my colleagues and and think this is nice it's well paid it's a bit stressful and deadlines and everything every every designer knows that but i don't see myself doing this so i i i don't know i projected myself for the next 5 years and i asked myself the most basic question which was what makes me happy what what is the thing that i really love to do and of course sketching was there traveling was there many things were there but i had to you know um make it a narrow as as much as i could to understand what it was and and i think it, that was it that uh, along the trips that i was doing and bringing my sketchbook i was really in the bubble in the zone like people normally say and, and i did enjoy a lot that moments and i said to myself look if it's to do it, it has to be now uh, i cannot wait too long until i have compromised i didn't have kids i didn't have wife i didn't have anything that was really holding me to stay in lisbon portugal and with my work so i paying rent was just basically it and of course the hobbies and friends and family so i i i was a bit i, I went to a selfish mode which i think every creative has to be and my selfish mode was forget about what people going to say to you and scare you to not do it just focus in your goal in what you in what you believe and give it time and i and i decided to do it in 5 years to give the time that i thought would be enough to grow as a sketcher as a artist as a i don't know passionate about art and traveling and grow that grow something that nobody tells you to do like you go to school nobody tells you you should travel you go to your parents never never going to let you travel free as you want they always want to tide you at home and be safe and secure 
and so I felt, I felt like, you know, I have to do this for myself. Nobody's going to tell me you should do this because it's good for you. Yeah, that uh, I love how you describe it as this selfish mode that you entered. And because I, I completely understand this question of what really makes me happy. And a lot of people, like the jobs we do, they do make us happy and they do fulfill us in a lot of different ways. And in my own case, I, I was good at my previous job. And that joy of achievement, of just being good at what you do, is always a motivator to keep you going forward. But I also had this moment, just like you describe, in which I looked around at my colleagues and I thought that these people really want to do this for life. And I don't think I have that same motivation as them. So I'm not approaching this job with the same honesty that they are approaching it with, with the same sincerity that they are approaching it with, because they've committed to it. And I don't think I've made that commitment. And I also asked myself, what is it that will make me really happy? So it's, it's lovely to hear that it's the same kind of self-questioning that led you to this. And I think sometimes it's just moments in life. I was really happy when I got my first job as a graphic motion designer, you know. And that fulfilled my 10 years afterwards. Once I got it, I just wanted to do it and do it well, you know, and as a sex satisfaction for myself when I was doing. And I think the change was when I got in a level that I said to myself, okay, I accomplished this, this level of doing this. So what's next? Do I want to keep on pushing this and see what, what I can do more? Or should I change the page and try something new in my life? And I think that's where people grow. It's when they try to get out of comfort zone. And that's what I was basically doing all these years. That's what I love and got so inspired every day with my own journey because I never know where I'm going to end up in the end of the day, which who I'm going to end up, which kind of sketch I have to try to do in the top of the mountain, surrounded by people, in the middle of cows, whatever situation is, and not on the comfort of, no, I know if I go on this street, I know that angle, and I'm going to sketch that angle because I'm, I'm used to do it. So I'm just going to repeat this view or more to the left, more to the right, and speak the language that I know. That was what I wanted to find. And I think I wanted adventure. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And and that instinct to to know that there is something good outside of our comfort zones. Because uh, career and achievement and, you know, these abilities we build up since our teenage years and then we get our first jobs and we do well at those. It's almost like we build this comfort zone around ourselves that these are the things I'm good at. These are the things that work for my life. So I'm not going, like, I'm going to test them in small ways, but I'm not going to upend the whole thing and almost like almost like you've climbed up a ladder to some distance and then you decide to change ladders and it's very rare to hear somebody taking that decision uh, yeah i, th I think uh, it makes sense at some point we have to make those decisions it's uh, i actually went to new york to do some tests and to work a little bit there and and try to see like okay is it portugal small do i need more motivation and different colleagues to you know spike my my flame again uh but after new york i really felt no i, I it's not about the job itself it's about me i'm changing i need i need a change as well as i grow 
And I think if it's correct, if you feel that spark inside of you, then you need to pay a little bit of attention or you're going to be a bit frustrated for the next years until you resignate and you say, well, okay, this is it and I don't need to change. It's done. I do it well. And, you know, it's, it's just keep on going. So you did you did allow yourself that deep consideration. It wasn't an impulsive decision. You tried to understand what is it that you're looking for. You tried to sec- uh, you tried to critically analyze your desires as well before taking the plunge. Sure. I think you never go to Everest and you don't climb Everest in one day. You do steps. You, 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 get, you get to that base camps and then you realize what you did. And I think sketching allows us to see things slowly and... It allowed me to as well to uh, invest slowly my time on it before this big trip, this long mother journey, the world tour. So I think even if it's an impulse in one month, if I didn't really want it, it will end and I will decide, no, I'd rather stay at home and do nothing than keep on going. But Actually, I had friends that they said to me, you know, after six months, you're back home. You, you're not coming. You, you're not going anywhere. Like this five-year journey that you planned, it's not going to really happen. Uh, and I, 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 to be honest, I felt the months passing and I just wanted to continue. I never wanted to go back. Uh, so speaking of this, you know, taking the long trip versus testing yourself out, um, I'm curious to know, as a graphic designer, as a motion designer, of course, creativity is a part of your job. And exercising your creativity in different ways has to be part of your work every day. But what was the what was the role that sketching or making art just for its own sake, like a sketchbook, have in your life before you started to do this? Before you started the, you know, before you started to, before you took the decision to make this such a big part of your life? It's a funny question. I think many illustrator, designer maybe can relate with my story. So in the beginning was like a hobby, passion when I was on my early age, five to 10. I was just in my little desk. And if my mom wanted me to be quiet, she would give me a pen and a paper and I would be quiet for hours. And then it became more serious when I choose arts. And when it became serious, I started to lose meaning. I started to lose the feeling uh, because it was an obligation. I had to sketch between inside of a box that the school were telling me, you have to sketch this way. You have to learn this technique. You have to do, you have to do, you have to do. And so I, I slowly lost the passion and I started to become a bit more conscious about everything that I was have to do, that I have to do, and and fulfill my my university. Once I finished the university, I really stopped sketching, and I went straight to computer design for, I think, the eight years of my life. And and once I started gra- the graphic design, I, I really f- stopped in love with the 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 art and the sketching because I felt that everything was uh, just uh, too mechanic and too peop- like it was too much teaching for me uh, there was no space for improvisation or to be more free to do also because I was in design so probably it wasn't that good to continue and and they the, the, the university it just pushed me to computer design and so I stopped sketching for eight years I really put my book away and I just sketch everything 
on my computer and everything was 3D. And maybe because also I really wanted to uh, move forward to the computers, it was also a moment, this was in 2003, so it was a moment that the, the computer design was urging, was really growing. And so the the change was, was a, a big thing in that moment. And there was no much people doing 3D motion design. So I, I was really fighting in a niche. And I, and I then it was just a growing process. Like you see one mountain and then you see another mountain and, and you, you want to keep climbing. And sketching was never my was it was was I, I just stopped it i don't know what happened i just felt like I, nobody cares about if i'm sketching or not anymore so i just put it aside as a hobby as well and after all these years of computer suddenly i went to school again to do the master degree and i had again the uh, sketching uh, live sketching drawing and everything and it kind of you know uh, lift me up and in that moment it was it felt right in that moment when i was 28 i really felt or 27 i felt this is this this now feels better than when i was here 7 years ago and and then i paid more attention to it and my teacher at the moment told me about the urban sketchers and the group because this was i think it was in 2007 when gabi was just starting in 2006 or something and so I really saw the beginning of the blog and all the people gathering and publishing there. And I felt, wow, this is, this is really cool. This is really what I want to do and, and start to post and do more often because you could see these people being so chill. Nobody's judging if you're sketching this way or the other way. And, and it was just free, free share, you know, maybe people don't remember anymore how things were, but in that time there were no Instagram. We looked like old people talking, but there was no Instagram. <laughs> and so having that blog where we could get inspired so uh, so um, new, it was so refreshing for somebody that could not have any information. Nowadays, it, there, are, there are so many information, so much information that you get lost. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, it's this recurring topic. Whenever I speak with other uh, other urban sketchers also we always come back to the original urban sketchers blog and how like often we don't even know it but we always need to see other people doing it and they inevitably even unintentionally they give us permission to also do the same thing and I remember when I was I was in Chicago and I was just fascinated by this city and I thought it's such a beautiful city everywhere I look that I feel like I want to draw it but that would be such a silly and stupid thing to do, to like be an adult, 28, 29 years old, and I'm going to carry a sketchbook and I'm going to walk around and stand and draw things. It's, it, it just sounded so stupid and I thought that everybody would just laugh at me. But then I found Urban Sketchers and then suddenly you give yourself the permission to do these things that you were hesitating to do before or that you thought are just silly things when you find that there are other people who are doing it. And it's this amazing thing that immediately we found an international community and you could see people from all these backgrounds and all these different uh, educational backgrounds and their life backgrounds, but they're all doing the same thing that we are interested in. Agree one more time because communities are very important to keep us going 
to the direction we think is the correct because sometimes we are surrounded by people that don't have the same interests and so we get a bit confused or lost and when we find somebody that's uh, it's on the same search on the same path on the same uh, I don't know feeling for the same things we can discuss we can go deeper on the talk and we can actually find that we are not alone trying this way of doing things or to get uh, our our motivations or hobbies going on. And I think for me, uh, for me it was double important to know Urban Sketchers. First was to tell me like go do something with it and don't be don't be afraid of people judging you or don't close your book and, and put it in the desk. Just go and do something and have fun. Most of it, have fun. And then the second part was when I decided to do this world tour, I really wanted to meet urban sketchers because they were my idols, some of them. They, I, I really felt like I really need to go to this place to meet this guy because I've been looking to his sketch and his details for years. So I really want to know how, how does he look like? How does he think? You know, I went to many places. I stay with them and and at, at some i remember many times to be in their houses and thinking i'm here i'm with them and and i'm and i and i'm having coffee with them and i'm and i'm sketching with them and i'm i can see them working which is the best class you can have or best i don't know best motivation you can have to progress and for me that that was yeah. the best that i could have during these years to meeting urban sketchers and and I, and I give here a big a big shout out to everybody that I meet you know, just for that <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about some of these people who were some of these early urban sketchers that you saw and that you were then also eager to you were eager to visit their part of the world who was what were some of these names well, <laughs> some some they're gonna be upset if I don't say their names, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I I'm gonna locate them as as I was growing too. So I yeah. remember Isabel Seidel, which was one of the first. I didn't even knew how to paint at that time. What the colors were just the beginning. I was just I started with lines, so my work is based in lines, and then the watercolor just grew as I as I travel and so this girl she's a german living in spain in north spain and uh, she was doing such an amazing compositions and watercolors and i remember that we spent three or four days and she was always telling me tips giving me tips and i was looking at her shoulder through her shoulder how she does everything and i remember the next sketches i was very influenced by her the next people were obviously Ima. I mean, in Spain, I have so many connections that because of the language and everything, I had too many. I, I could name it like Miguel, Ina, uh, Sagar, which I'm completely influenced by him, uh, Lapin a little bit, and another French that I really like, Emmanuel Prost. Uh, I'm going to uh, well, and then Asia. I have, I have many, but in Asia, then download, uh, of course, obviously, then the the two Pramod in Thailand and uh, and uh, I think it's Arni, uh, it's uh, Pramod and Asni, which was the first sketcher I ever met outside of Portugal uh, on a journey before my world tour. So there there were a lot, and some of them I I was not expecting that I would be so connected 
because uh, some some of them, for example, uh, Sagar Fornius, he's a Barcelona uh, uh, local uh, sketcher, very very much into comic comic books, and I met him by an accident. Let's say I was in I was in Malaga in a in a conference, and he was there. And suddenly, I was sitting with Miguel, which was one of Miguel Anjans, which was one of the the guys that I was always following, and Imna. And suddenly, he comes, very humble, short guy, and he starts to show me his book, and my jaw dropped. And I said, "I want to sketch like you." Immediately, I said, "This is this is how I f- like about your work that I really want to sketch." And and another thing about him was, I really saw closely how you work in a very spontaneous way. And I think he gave me one time one tip. I hope he's listening this. He told me one time, like, you're going to sketch so many years that you don't really need to feel uh, the urge to have beautiful sketches in all the pages of your book. Just sketch. Sketch as much as you can because you're going to sketch more than you can grow. So... Your growing is going to be slow, but your sketching is going to be like a machine gun. And and that then that kind of took my heaviness off my shoulders. Like every page needs to be beautiful because I would look to these people that have 10, 15, 20 years of learning and sketching. And I felt these guys, uh, they know what they're doing. They They have everything figured out. And I was just starting. So, I mean, there, there were these moments that I, I have them in my mind as a, you know, like a, a, a mind change or a moment of change in a way I, I see sketching and the way I appreciate the fact that I was with them. And obviously, I think I'm, a, I'm, I think I'm, a, I'm like a sponge where if I'm next to you and I sketch for five days, I'm starting to collect things from you. <laughs> so you know how it happens when uh, you talk to somebody who's from another part of the world and after 10 minutes, you start to incorporate their style of speaking and you a little bit of their uh, ways of putting the grammar together. It's the same way with sketching. Like, And I feel like all of us urban sketchers do this. We are always looking over each other's shoulder, seeing how this person's doing something. And then making it our own thing. It's it's like the universal practice of urban sketching. And I always felt one thing that it's quite funny, but at the same time important for us is uh, it was like um, I I would call it like a, a, a down to hurt mentality back to us. Like I, when I was on this, I I only went to one symposium because all this travel didn't made me uh, able to just join because I was stopped at home. No, I was always traveling. And I had just the, the chance to get in one, which was in Singapore. And all that gathering of, I don't know, 200 people together with all pe- different styles, it made me feel like, man, there are so much to discover that I will not have time to, to, to sketch so many styles. So I always felt on, with these meetings a bit depressive and not productive enough because I really want to see everybody that I wouldn't sketch anything. And, and, and so for me, after I, I will only understand what happened in those days, maybe two weeks later, I'm sketching like this because I remember I saw this person sketching like that. And, and it, and it just, we, okay, now it makes sense that I, I spend that time over there. Yeah. It's, it's really lovely how that works. And again, it's just this, amazing community sense like you described it's very down to earth 
nobody is when we are learning you know uh, like when i was trying to be an artist all my life i've wanted to draw and i've been drawing but i've never been really good at it until i became an urban sketcher and i felt that it's because these idols that we think how we are supposed to draw how like you described the importance of an individual page versus the sketchbook and thinking thinking about how every page needs to be perfect it leads to almost being afraid of paper and looking at the blank page and imagining all the ways that you will spoil it and so then you tend to stop doing it or you do it less and that in my case that led me towards digital art because i thought okay i can't spoil the paper i'll just erase it and then i'll do it again i can undo so simply but only when i appreciated this this same aspect that you mention of how the sketchbook is like a a long period of improvement and page by page is not the answer page by page is not the way to look at it was when i stopped being afraid of blank pages and i i gave myself this permission to just get into it don't think about it don't overthink it just get into it the the travel that i did or i'm i'm still on the pause let's say because of the the corona it's it's not about the destination it's the journey this big phrase that we all listen but we never really pay attention because it's painful sometimes the journey it's painful and we just want to reach the place where we feel safe comfortable and warm and so the journey it's more important than the safe the safe is just a, a conclusion of the journey and it can be safe or not but i think we should treasure more the journey instead of complaining so much the fact that we are doing it and 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 to be honest sometimes the bicycle i mean a lot this this bicycle trip that i really recommend to everybody try at least to do one week at least go from your town to another town and and spend a few kilometers on the bike just to feel the cycle of up and down of of your of your feet because the journey of going that was what i was appreciating the fact that i was able to go from one place to another place and to accomplish and 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 to go and and to finish somewhere that i don't know and it could be just 10 20 30 100 kilometers doesn't matter it's just the fact that i i was able to do it and now i cannot for example i i have to stay at home that was the best satisfaction i could have it's it's the fact of doing because i think related with sketching is the same thing when we are doing i think it's the best moment when it's done it's done people can see it people can laugh people can enjoy it but the satisfaction of doing it it's the best of i think all the goals we can have exactly exactly i often tell people this uh, during workshops especially that it doesn't matter how it looks at the end it doesn't matter whether two days later you don't like it it only matters that you spend these next 3 hours enjoying yourself yeah agree and and sometimes we are concerned about little details or so much to be perfect that we forget to live that moment to enjoy the fact that well it's not perfect because maybe i i haven't put enough hours or i haven't really reached that goal that i have in my head because there is no such thing of being perfect or imperfect it's more about sometimes i see sketches that they talk more to me because they have an expression because you can feel the 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 guy that i was doing that it was really into it it was really showing something about him it was trying to tell something then 
when I see something that is almost photorealistic. I don't feel so motivated to see photorealism. And that's why probably I really enjoy urban sketchers or sketching because people are more honest with their sketches. They, they cannot create a seven hours art in one sketchbook. They, they have one, two, three hours max to, to finish that sketch. And wh whatever you are in that moment, that's what is going to be the, your, your sketch. And that's, I think that's an honest feeling about art too. It's, it, it, because at the studio, you can spend hours and hours and hours to make it better. But in, in location, I think it's, it promotes a different style, a different approach, and you have to come up with solutions that it's different back home. Yeah, yeah. In in this way, it almost forces you to bring out your own unique personality on the page. It it it's a way to to distill all these other rules away. And eventually, if you do a sketchbook, if you draw on location and you finish one sketchbook, you start another sketchbook. You will inevitably get into this cycle of expressing yourself because that's the only easy way to do it. It's the only way it will happen. Everything else is too much work. You, you cannot fake it. Otherwise, uh, you will not continue. It, it, it will not be equal to during the long time. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's come to this, the really interesting thing that now happens. I want to talk to you about your first trip. Like, so you have reached this point where you've decided that you're going to travel. You're going to draw while you travel. How did, how did the first trip happen? What did you plan? Where did you plan to go? What were the reasons for that? That did you uh, like? How much of the route did you have completely planned, and how did you budget for it? Well, the the idea of the journey or the the itinerary was just to explore first Europe, which is the continent that I grew up, to know exactly what is to be Portuguese and European, uh, and then start to take from Russia all the way to uh, uh, Beijing to China, and then start to explore Asia. And let things flow. And then, of course, from Asia, Oceania, and then from Oceania to America, I didn't know which part, but America and then Africa would be the last continent. And I decided to go this way two, two, because two things. First, Europe is full of talented uh, urban sketchers. I'm talking about 2012, which wasn't that spread out. So the majority of the people in the urban sketches were in Europe. And, and so I decided to, okay, I'm going to go through these people that already had contacts and, and know them. And this way I can also have my degree on urban sketching while I'm meeting them. And that, that was the, the idea. And, and I thought, I don't know why, I, I started to count more or less, okay, in here I will stay one month, here maybe two, you know, and visas and everything. And I came up with the five years, five continents. And that was more or less it. And I thought to spend more or less like, I don't know, I had an idea of spending $10,000, uh, let's say, in per year, uh, which was a bit uh, out of range for me, but I still wanted to try. Uh, I also thought, well, maybe in the second year I can start working on something and do some, you know, local jobs and have some cash on end uh, work, uh, which happened, of course. And, you know, I wanted to have some secure to not just give up on the second day. So I saved some money to do it. But I didn't want it to, 
to be totally com comfortable. If I have to do something different, I, I can do, but not moving away from my my mind. I'll say, uh, I mean, in, don't change the the sketching. Don't go and start working as a I don't know on a hostel just just for the sake of getting money. Just try to go and maybe help a community and, and paint something or, I don't know, something that could be profitable for both ways or an experience or, of course, money. Or, or it never really went um, that strong. Uh, I mean, because I, I think I was lucky to have some pointed jobs that they, they were well paid. And so I didn't really have to make a lot of money. And as well... My choices of traveling was really low, low, low budget and staying with a lot of people, couch surfing and, and try to ask a lot for help. Uh, but obviously, people tell me, how, that's like, like, I think that's the first question. Like, you need to have money to do it. And I say, yes and no. It depends how, how, you want, how much you want to sacrifice yourself, how much you want to uh, give yourself to the trip. And as older you get, the more comf comfort you still you start to feel like you want. As younger you are, more risks you can take, more unconscious and reckless you be you are, and so you will just accept a lot more whatever the journey is going to give you. So that's why I I really believe that if you're young enough, or if you're young, let's say you you should try to do it. As much as what people say to you, just go and, and don't think too much like I really need this budget. Go, of course, don't go like totally zero because you might need to, to be a bit free to, to make decisions. Uh, but don't surrender yourself. No, I have the money. I can do this. That's it. Uh, I think the balance is the best. Yeah, and it's a it's a difficult balance, which is like you say, it it becomes easier when you are young, when you are willing to, when you're willing to go through a certain set of hardships more comfortably without without second thought. So it's very it's very crucial that people recognize the opportunities that are available to them at different ages and the different kinds of freedom that they have. Like not having not not having enough money to travel is definitely a restriction. But being in a position where you don't need so much while you travel is a huge freedom. So the, both of them have to be balanced together. So in your first trip, when you're traveling through Europe, of course, Europe is very friendly to cheap travel. It's very friendly to road travel. So those logistics become sort of uh, straightforward. You know that there are trains you can take. You know that you can do uh, blah, blah to get to get uh, uh, like some a lift with somebody in a car. So there are these different avenues possible. Did you then, when you were planning Europe, were you planning places that you had never seen before? Or were you planning places that you had seen and then you knew somebody there? No, 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 no. Uh, Europe was totally, you know, like like myself, like let it flow. And, uh, you know, you, you talk about these systems now that you can organize lifts with other people. Back in, in 2012, there was no systems. They were just starting. So you, you really thumbs up and you just get the lift. So it, it was wild in that time. Like I'm sure States was like this before too. And, and I think that I, I had that privilege. Maybe I was the end of the generation who had the privilege to just stick your thumb and you're going to meet any, anyone. 
and you have to judge, you have to grow with those, with those decisions because if you choose wrong, you can end up in a wrong situation. Nowadays, it's a lot more safe, I think, and a lot more control, but of course, it has a price. So everything changed, even Couchsurf changing, change, Couchsurfing change. I mean, everything is a, has a bit of less... Um, Everything is changing. I don't want to. I don't want to sound bad, saying like now it's worse than before, but uh, everything is changing, and we need to adapt. That's all. And of course, be continue being creative to find what is the solutions that work better for us. But yeah, in my in my time, I think it was. You have. I think I always have to think. Okay, if I need to take a plane, of course I need that money. If I need to take a train, of course I need that money. But then when I'm over there, what I can do to you know, connect with people so they can understand me, feel me and help me with my, uh, you know, with the things that I need. So there, there was those two things, food and maybe transportation, long transportation. That's what I need to have money for. Uh, because food, I don't like to beg for food. That's my, my, my way. Of course, if we are together and if the, the host wants to give me something, of course, you wouldn't say no, but that's different. I, I want to have the, the the power to just go to a supermarket and buy some fruits and have for meat for the day or, or, or a sandwich. But the rest, I always felt like this is a, the best opportunity to be open, to mingle with people, to, you know, to try to make them open to myself and don't always think that they own me something and they should help me. No, they. I need to explain myself. I need to talk with them, explain my story a thousand times yeah. if I have to. And, and I think that was the, I think that's the best part is you, every day you can be a new person almost. You can, you can say a new thing to, to every, you can change the way you speak about yourself. You can change so many things that you, I think you're going to find yourself more in the journey. Let's, let's talk, let's talk about going from Portugal to Russia. What was it that you expected to find? What were things that were completely new to you? And also tell me your route from Portugal to Russia. How did you go and where did you stop? Okay, so starting from the route, I did, because it was all uh, inland, so I did Portugal, Spain, France, Holland, the, all the North Europe to Scandinavia, to the North, uh, North Cape of uh, Norway. That was a big goal to, to go there. And it was a very bad day, by the way. I couldn't see anything. It was just foggy as hell and very haily, very cold. So it was just silly. And then I went all the way down to, um, again, to... I didn't went too much to the east. So I, I had... I, I just... The far east I went was Poland. And then I got in from uh, Czech Republic... All the Baltic Baltic countries, and then Czech Republic, Germany, uh, again France. I had to do some loops because Germany was really big, so I went. And because you don't need a visa as an European to just get in and out, uh, so I could stay as much as I want in each country. So I went to Italy, and then Italy, I started to go to Greece, to direction to Greece, but I could only do um, uh, Croatia, and then. Almost from Croatia, I went back to Italy. I took a flight to Istanbul. I just had a little taste of Istanbul. And then I flew again to uh, uh, Russia. And then from Russia, I had this child dream uh, of doing the Trans-Siberian. And then, then 
off I went to 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 Asia. But the, to answer the second part of what was the big the big discover of Europe, I think it was the we all go. It's like a big nation, Europe. It, it, it's uh, unite. It's like united European nation where we all uh, are ruled with the same coin, uh, same clothes, and and same business almost. But we have a lot of different culture in food, for example. That's what I really discover was food, the jokes people do in different parts of the world, and of course, the background, how we face our country. And there was one thing that I realized we all suffer of the same, which is we can always complain about our country and we never value that much our country and we always say the others are better than us. Look at them. And and some countries are a bit more proud of their of their own nation than others, but there was always that that feeling that I felt. And of course, the the balance of um, the invisible line of north and south of Europe, I could feel like where the Latinos start and where the the Nordic start. Because of the jokes, the warmth, the hey, come to my home. Uh, you know, you have to stay one more day. You have to stay one more day, and and I think that that was one of the discoveries. But let me just do here one another chapter is when I decided to do this world travel. I talked with my parents. My parents totally disagree with my idea. <laughs> they said it was a, a a very bad idea to quit my job on thirty years old, and and you know. All that, all that uh, problems that they 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 saw of, that I'm living now actually that I'm all the problems of not having a job, having 40 years old. Now I'm leaving them. I, I'm leaving those problems, and uh, what to do next? That's that's the big question. Uh, now that the journey is kind of not going anywhere, and I still need to survive. And I know now I under, it's not now I understand. I understand what they were trying to warn me that and. Mm-hmm. Although they didn't agree, after a while they decided. They decided, okay, uh, how about we go with you? We we get a camper and we all go on this journey, which didn't felt right, but I accepted. And so, another big discovery during the Europe travel was actually know my parents doing things that I didn't expect when we stopped traveling together for maybe twenty years already since I. Maybe not twenty, yeah. but uh, yeah, a long, a long time. When I start to yeah. get a bit older, and I decided to have my own journeys with friends and in holidays, uh-huh. and my parents just stayed beside. And now having them with sixty four, and I was thirty two, and share a little camper uh, space to leave, it it was quite complicated. And sometimes, you know, the mentalities are so different, and I had to push boundaries, and they have to push boundaries to to just find the the middle term and and find a good balance (laughs) and i think it was fun my 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 father couldn't speak english my mother as well not that much and at the end of the journey after one year because we did one year they they got into more going and 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 speak with strangers not being afraid if they do mistakes by when they speak english and so i could see them going through a direction that I said to myself, there is no right time. There is just the mindset. That's such a great point. 
So you've reached you've reached Russia, and then you've done this trip. That even when I was living in Europe, it was one of our big bucket list goals. That one day we want to take the Trans Siberian Express. Can you tell me a little bit about what that experience is like? Because I've wanted to take it. I really want to draw on it sometime. It's like uh, well, now we are we live in confinement in, in this um, in this uh, in this moment that we have to stay at home the whole time. So it's. Badly compared, it's it's a little bit like you are in one place and the place are, is moving. Uh, and you don't need to take care of where to go, how to drive. You just need to sit on it, sleep, and just enjoy that five to seven days on the same courage. And, and talk with people, try to talk with people because most of them back in the days, they could only speak Russian, most of them. And I believe they still only speak Russian. They were the ones who take the, that train. And so it's an experience of uh, traveling without leaving the same, the same bench. And in the beginning, you don't know anyone that it's around you because you sleep like it's two people on the same area and another two on, on your feet. So it's six people on, on that little square uh, space. And in the beginning, you are afraid of them. And on the second, on the third, on the fourth day, it's your family. You wake up, you have the same routines, you, ha- you share, you start to share breakfast, you share anecdotes, you share. And because I sketch, it breaks totally the ice. You know, I, if I have, start for, in the beginning, I'm not sketching them directly. I have to be careful because we're going to spend five days together. I don't want to have a bad, a bad, bad feeling over here. So, I'm going to sketch, I don't know, the view uh, of the toilet or things that are so different from my normal routine. And suddenly they start to say, hey, you can sketch me, you can sketch me. And, and then you are invited to the next courage. And then it depends on you, how much open you are, how much afraid you are to just go and drink vodka with them or drink uh, whatever they want to give you or just go and have food. Uh, and... And of course, it's it's back to basics. You 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 don't have nothing more than hot water to cook, and you just cook boiled stuff, and and that's it. And I think it's a good experience to learn how to give time and patience to things to to your journey. You know. Yeah. So you know, your tra- first when you travel through Europe, and I'm thinking that when you're traveling through Europe, you're going with your parents or you're going on your own. I can imagine to some extent you have an understanding of this world, the general world that you're in, the way the cities are, and although the architecture is different, still it's part of that same, same, uh, same continent, and in a lot of ways it's part of the same world. But then you enter Russia, and now you're going to Asia. I'm curious to know. What are the things that you were attracted to draw when you were in Europe? And did did that uh, attraction change and expand to new things once you entered Asia? A lot. Uh, I was Before I, I, I was getting to Russia, I was already thinking how I'm going to sketch those churches, you know, or, or the, the light, or how can I paint truthfully the colors that I'm going to see, or even the the white-skinned people, how can I'm going to make it so bright or, or the, the blonde and, and be so delicate? And when I was going to Asia, was the same question. How I'm going to draw the faces again? How I'm gonna, It was always like 
once I was finishing a country and saying like, okay, I'm, I, I know I'm safe now. I can, I know the coin. I know, I know to make the count, the, the maths to, 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 to think, okay, one, one euro means this. And I know, I know the food, what water, once you're starting to feel comfortable, time to change time. It's reset. And sketching was the same thing. Like when I, when I started to see those pagodas in, in China and have to sketch really perfect circles or, or different style of people or, I don't know, food. The food was always different. I, I, I started to, again, okay, I need to adapt, adapt, adapt. And I think that's the, the, that's the, um, the best, um, I don't know, uh, learn or the, the best class I had during this trip was, was that variety that made me never get bored uh, of the same subject. So yes, sketching sketching was always my big motivation to go to these new places. I, I remember that I went to the Great Wall of China and I was so nervous that the first sketch was a big dream too, to sleep over there. So I went and I slept over there. And I mean, this is not legal, but I went to another another Great Wall that was nobody cared, was a bit destroyed. So I went there and I slept. And those sec- those two sketches that I did, I was totally frustrated because I had a big vision of it. Like, oh, I'm going to do this when I'm, when I'm there. I'm going to, I already had picture in my head. So it went totally the opposite. On the next day, I decided, okay, I need to do it again. And a bit more relaxed, I do it. I did it. And, and, and then, I, then it felt right. Then it felt, okay, now I have the great wall experience uh, together. Yeah. So are there things that you feel that, you know, if I'm going to be in Russia and I'm going to say that this is my trip in Russia, these are some things that I absolutely have to draw. And does that, does that conflict with what you want to draw? Do you, find, do you find that kind of conflict about things that you're obligated to draw versus the things that you are naturally more better at drawing or more curious to draw? I tend to think it's a challenge. Like even if, for, for example, I, I just recall my times in uh, Namibia, which was a huge desert. There was nothing really special to sketch, like no icon uh, to be to to say to to that I have to draw. And then the animals were the 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 icons, but they move, and they were just like this. You could see a zebra, but then they, she would run away because it was she it was afraid of of me. So those times I need to rethink and appreciate what I have and just sketch what I what is around me. So in some moments it was just a fact. If I'm in 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 Italy, for example, and if I go to the city, I know I want to sketch the dome or I want to sketch I don't know these buildings that I've seen it because I'm really attracted as well to urban sketching and people together and everything. But in some occasions, I was forced to sketch stuff that I, I wasn't even think about it because I, if I didn't sketch that, I could spend one, two weeks without sketching because there was no houses or monuments or icons that I could. So I think through years, while, while, while I was growing as a traveler too, I started to um, take the journey as the reason to sketch. So I, w- I wouldn't run to sketch that cathedral or to, to sketch that monument, but if I happen to be there and if I 
have a, a feeling, a connection with the monument, I will do it. If I don't really feel anything, I would just look, eventually take a picture and save it as a memory. But sometimes I would sketch a person that I met, rather rather a place or rather a monument, you know. So it, it would it would go because it, it it's the story that, that I'm living. It's a, and I'm doing all the time. So it's not something that you have planned to go to Singapore, for example. Or Chicago, and you go and you know I have I only have seven days. I need to see this, this, this. That's totally different. Yeah, and this is this is also interesting how tourism uh, differs from urban sketching and the way that a tourist looks at a place that they visit and how a sketcher with a sketchbook in their hand, simply because of the logistics of sketching and traveling and looking and sitting and spending time with a subject how that changes the things you look at and the things, the images and the, the ideas that you then remember that this is what I saw in Namibia. This is what I saw in Mong. This Actually, now we are at this very interesting question because I want to ask you about a part of the world that I have been fascinated by, but I have absolutely no visual reference of. So your sketchbook is the only way that I have seen what Mongolia looks like. And I want to know what it is like to to be in that kind of landscape where, where you know, those, those urban structures don't, it's not urban sketching. Can we even call it urban sketching? Because those urban structures simply don't exist, which kind of make it that urban world that we recognize, right? I have the sketchbook right here. And it starts, it really starts from my journey in the train. Mongolia, it, it resembles a lot with Namibia. It's a huge desert. And from one beautiful spot to another beautiful spot, there is a, an amazing land that it changed in three hours. So you go on these Russian vans, and once you sometimes you fall asleep, when you wake up, you, it feels a different country. And you, you go miles and miles and miles away on this van, and you just see land. And sometimes you see a, a gear, which is a tent, where nomads live and they just stay there with their uh, cattle and, and animals and everything. And they leave until they have food or the animals have food and then they move to another place and they keep on going. And they don't have electricity. They only have solar uh, panels and no fridge. So they dry all the food. They live totally humbly and there is almost zero connection, like phone connection or whatever. There are no uh, there are no lines or roads after you leave Ulaanbaatar, a hundred kilometers after Ulaanbaatar. I mean, I'm talking with my reference, which was 2013, so I don't know now, but I be but I believe they're still pretty much the same from the the reports that I see with my friends, and and it's just amazing. You start to. When you finish a trip in Mongolia, you start to realize who you are better because you turn off your phone, you turn off your friends around you, you turn off every every noise or every voice that is now fulfilling us in this moment, all these connections that are normal for us because we wake up, you see the phone, there are news, television, they give us news, internet. So all of this, it's noise that in Mongolia just drops to birds, wind, rain. And then you have to be almost sometimes a survivor because when it rains in Mongolia, it, it, it's like Bolivia. It rains like the, the sky is falling. 
and normally you have to you have to leave in tents because I was also doing cheap so I was living on tents every night you have to build your own tent you have to cook some stuff or you have a cook and the the, the person is going to is going to do it and the concept the mentality of the driver that you need a guide is amazing because you ask him so which direction and he says I don't know so how many days is going to be this trip? How long I'm going to take to reach this lake? And she says, it depends. Yeah. And the conversation stops over there because they believe they cannot control the weather. They cannot control anything. So they they accept this. If we, if we get there, we are lucky. If we see it, we are lucky. And accept that and just live with that. And And this is a bit of a change, the European or Western mentality that we always want to have sure or to make sure that that we control. And over there, you are not in control with anything. You are just living what's happening. And I think that's that's something that we tend to forget easily and because of all these demands that we live in, which is hard. When when I come here, when I came to Portugal now this time, I, ha- I say to myself, no, I, I'm not in control. I need to let it flow. I need to do this. I, but then the people around me, they don't have that mentality or or the... I don't know the neighbors or the, the 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 way life is in here. It doesn't allow you to think that way. The same thing when I went to India. I'm sorry if I speak a lot, but the same way I I went to India, and I know you probably from there, or mm-hmm. you have roots there. There was one thing that I learned immediately, which was everything yeah. is possible. And I was talking with a local guy in Goa, and I tell him. I really want to do this this trip on a motorbike. I feel like India is the right place. Like the rules here are so crazy that I, I feel like I should I should do it here. <laughs> and he goes to me and he says, "Why not?" And I said, "Well, because yeah. I don't have a I don't have license. I don't know how to drive a motorbike." And I said, "My friend, if you if you want, you can do it." And you get this feeling of hope that sometimes people are uh, people tend to say the, the the other way around like have you think about this have you have you thought this way and it just puts so many walls that you feel okay i'm i'm demotivated i don't want to do it anymore <laughs> we often think of technology as a way that it enables us to do so many more things than before and that's true of course but technology in that way also seeking that level of control it also controls our world and it restricts so many things to us we know we we set some things as possible and some things as impossible simply because the technology around us doesn't allow it like even something as simple as i can't find the google maps route to this destination i guess i'm not going there i'll go somewhere else and it doesn't occur to somebody living in their environment that the direction you start walking is simply the direction you started walking it doesn't there's no right or wrong or that you should go this way because it's it's a better way to do it and we're always like it's this obsession with modern tech that it's going to improve our lives it's going to improve our journey it's going to improve our traveling taking photos from our phone is going to improve how well we see the world how much we see of the world and people don't appreciate how often that's absolutely not the case but it has its benefits. For example, in China, I would use Google Translate to to talk with people because otherwise I couldn't use anything. And people, oh, how are you 
how, how you move in, in, in China? Well, many ways. One was that, and the other was when it, whenever I could find young kids from China traveling on the same hostel, I will ask them, look, write me on a paper. I want to go to this, this area. And then write me a second a second place because sometimes on the train station you you talk with a person who has zero English and they shut you down like they don't know what you're saying so they close and they look down and then the next day I come and it puts you in front of you so you're off so my my concept was like okay I'm gonna have a paper she would look she would say yes and she would write and give me the ticket and the second option would go after so you have to be creative as well with your with your uh, traveling and I think. Technology can be helpful. Of course, on a bicycle, I could manage like, okay, where are the next place I have water, for example, and technology is important, but it shouldn't be our own source. That's, that's what I think. Consider this a brief intermission before we rejoin the adventures of Luis Simoes. So far, we have talked about his reaching that big decision to quit a full-time job in favor of uncertainty and an unsettled life. I was delighted to hear that Luis took inspiration from the same kind of people and activities that have inspired my decisions, the Global Urban Sketchers Network and the Urban Sketchers Organization. Another reminder that you can read show notes and find a transcript of this conversation on my website. That's sneakyartist.com slash podcast. You can also find links to the different people we reference and check out their amazing work. In the second half of this conversation, I ask Luis about how cycling came into the mix of his traveling as we bike down South America and up the western coast of Africa. I ask him about how he connects with the people he meets and the people that follow his work. We conclude with the work that he has put into his website to offer tutorials, prints, and stories to thousands of fans around the globe. Happy listening. So uh, getting around, that's that's the other thing that fascinates me. Um, You recently... uh, took this trip starting from the southern tip of Africa and then you started going up along the west coast and you were cycling. So how did, uh, has cycling been a part of your traveling experience from before? Was this something new that you took upon? How did how does cycling figure in your world sketching tour plan? Well, I, I, we actually started, me and my girlfriend, we started from North Colombia to South uh, Argentina to Ushuaia, and we did it for almost two years. And then we jumped to Africa, and our goal was to do the opposite way, South to North. Uh, well, this idea started actually in Mongolia. The first time I saw one bicycle dude traveling with so much, uh, with nothing, let's say, with, with very little and seeing his smile ear to ear, I felt like this guy knows it how to travel better than I. So I really wanted to do his way, not my way. And and then slowly I started to meet more uh, cyclist travelers, and I felt like they had a power that I couldn't have being being a backpacker, which was I can travel on my own pace whenever I want. I don't need anyone to just move around. And that for me was a freedom that I haven't achieved when I was just backpacking. So I never I never had an experience of traveling kilometers, you know, on a bicycle. 
so I, I didn't have that 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 you know uh, that passed on me. And when I decided to do this, I proposed Anisa if she wanted to come because I felt like as a couple, either break or continue stronger. And I said we, we should do this. We know each other, uh, but we don't know each other. And I want to see how I would like to see you on a bicycle trip to see how far you can go and how far I can go. And I have already five years traveling as a backpacker, so it would be interesting now that I, I'm a bit more relaxed about traveling, see you on a bicycle and I can help you in, a, in the stressful moments. You know, it would be a good partnership, I, th- I felt. And it was, but, but it was also very stressful at times, which is totally normal. And so zero, per- zero preparation, zero knowledge about what kind of bikes, zero many things, but that's the way I like it. It's going almost with a, with a blindfold and, and just, you know, try to guess, try to, to touch, try to, to see how far and how, how much fear you have and, and, and face that fear. And, and I think sketching is the, if I have to blame anyone, it's, 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 it's my sketching. And I'm not just saying this to make a beautiful conclusion. It's like sketching was... It's it's one of the guilties of this because sketching you always start on a blank page and we never know how it's going to finish. And I think I, I do the same parallel. I think traveling traveling we we think we know how to yeah. we're going to start, but we never know how it's going to finish because on a bicycle you can have so many conditions that it can change the the end of the day. And that was I think it's a good combination, but it's not a good combination if you want to sketch and travel because the bicycle takes you a lot of energy. I was going to ask you exactly this because I find it so interesting that you're balancing cycling with sketching because I expect that, especially if you're going to these, you're you're going down South America. So you're going through a lot of hilly mountainous areas also. And then you reach somewhere and then of course you're tired because you've been cycling with your backpack and then you sit down to sketch and it's it's it makes it more challenging does it make it easier does it make it more difficult how 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 do the two things work together if i was alone would be worst having an isa was a kind of um a motivation you know like i cannot i cannot just uh i had to do things for both not just if i was alone probably i would just you know quit sometimes and just uh don't do something but because I was with her I would force myself to don't give up or to show a little bit more like we we have to be strong and then when we are in a more relaxed way then we can calm down take the shield off but it was I think it's not about the first mountain I think it's like after a long time you start to because in the in the beginning you're excited and then you start to understand okay it's going to be painful but there's always a moment that you feel, I think when you reach the top, I think that's it. When you reach the top, you feel like it was worth it, you know, because all the pain that you had to feel to reach that, it was so beautiful, the moments that we reached the top and one of us have to wait for the other. And because we had to bring all our supplies, our all our water, the food and everything matters, you know, we were not making something you know just superficial for us we were doing something with a bit more depth we we treasure those moments and for me not for her she really didn't like the hard times but for me the hard times were the ones that i have better in my mind because i remember 
I remember, and I don't have problems to talk to tell you to tell you this. In 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 Bolivia, by the end of the year, we did a, a huge travel through the desert, and in the same day, you can have almost the four seasons. And we got the four seasons on that day, even snow. And so when I saw, I was a bit in front of Anisa, I saw the, the storm coming and, and we were totally in the desert. There, there was nothing to hide. We just had a tent. And I said to Anisa, it's here. We have to put it in the middle of the desert, the tent, and, and pray. When we got inside of the tent, it was already hailing, you know, just little rocks of, 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 of ice. We got inside and suddenly a big storm passes and we start both inside of, of the sleeping bag to try to get warm. We started to cry both. We, we were tear down and, and looking at of, of each other until our bodies, then we start, we start to feel so tired that we fall asleep. When we woke up, our tent was like this, bounced by the, the snow. We had like two centimeters of snow and... And then on the, I was super happy. She was sleeping tired. She didn't want it to continue, but we're in the middle of the desert. We have to continue. But for me, those were the moments that, you know, you feel you feel like you, you didn't die, so you, you can continue. <laughs> that feeling is a really powerful and a very important feeling. Like a lot of people, when they when they approach travel and when they approach unknown things. So you say that it's kind of the curse of sketching that now you look at a blank page and you know that in the end it will be fine. So you're unafraid, you just get into it. And then you start to approach travel in this way. And it's almost, it, but it also liberates you that you know that it's not like a lot of sketches, for example, again, to use that analogy, sometimes you have sketches that you start and then you're 20, 30% into it. And it looks like this is going to be really bad. <laughs> it just didn't work. The lines are not good. I got the wrong colors. I'm not thinking, or I'm tired. I'm not able to, but then, you reach 80%, 90%, and then you start to rescue it. And then only at the end, you're like, yeah, you know, I made it work. Somehow, somehow I rescued it. And that feeling that you don't have the answers at the beginning, but by the time you end, you will have gotten your answers. That faith is really important as a traveler, as well as as an artist. Do you, do you also think sometimes, and this is a question, do you think like sometimes we start the sketch with too much, much thoughts, and towards the sketch, the sketch is asking you for more attention, more attention. You kind of clean your head. And when you start to feel like, oh, now the sketch looks something, it's because all the thoughts you have are gone. And now you're more focused in the sketch, in the bubble. And so you you are now really sketching because you're in the sketch, not thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or or what, what you have done yesterday. Or you are judging almost every line because it's the beginning of the sketch. I think when I clean my head of anything that is blocking me, it just flows. And I really have no expectations how it's going to look like. And then it's it's fine. Yeah, it's it's like you have to get into this bit of a zone. So the things that are challenging for me when I sketch a city is that I'm very uh, turned off by things that are exactly parallel or things that are in very nice perspective. So, you know, so while looking at a skyscraper and Chicago has these beautiful skyscrapers, beautiful architecture, but so many windows <laughs> and all the windows have to be in line. All the windows have to obviously look like each other. And that just looking at that thing, if I'm sitting in front of it and this is what I want to draw today, it's so intimidating that all these rules get inside my head and I'm thinking of the 20 things I can do wrong with every line. 
if i do this wrong then all of these windows are screwed up and then this whole drawing will make but you have to shut down those voices and you have to find a way to just just next line next line next line and uh, so this makes me admire a lot of artists and again i take inspiration from other urban sketchers who seem to not be aware of these restrictions they just they don't mind bending perspective they don't mind that their windows are not exactly like each other and then you look at them and then you think maybe i'm giving this too much importance in my head and it isn't that important yeah yeah so you have to you have to challenge yourself with every page and again it comes down to thinking that the individual page is not that important if i make a bad drawing i make a bad drawing and then tomorrow i'll make another great drawing and then it will all be okay turn the page move on that that kind of feel it's again it's such a nice thing to think of as a traveler also that you can't you can't micromanage every decision you take and this is often a problem that when we are traveling we want to make sure that everything we do is the best thing we could have done at that time because you have this weight of the opportunity cost on your head that if i'm here for 5 days and i spent one day doing this other thing which turns out to be not that great then i will have ruined one day out of 5 and th- this kind of mindset it you, we need we all need liberation from it it's just it's very difficult i guess it helps that you also enter these journeys with so much liberation already that it helps you get into this zone by simply not having rigid travel schedules by being on a bicycle by being on foot taking a lift you are already surrendering so much to your environment that you learned it i think it percolates into everything does that make sense yep it does uh, although if i don't sketch for 3 4 5 days my hand starts to get itchy and of course i feel i feel more uh, the the um, the pressure of everything that i'm going to do right now is going to be too much thinking and not in, in the hand it's like not go i haven't been to the gym for the last 10 years for example exaggerating and then suddenly you want to be very fit and 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 of course it's not going to happen so that muscle of your hand is kind of sleepy but i i know that the first sketch is not going to be good the second maybe is not going to be good for me you know it's not about the quality the the perfection or whatever it's good in my appreciation it's not going to be that good and that's why i i think it's it's we need to repeat 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 and make things uh and until we until we and now and now just to make another jump i i for example now i i'm doing these tutorials where people can learn from it on my website and these tutorials apply me to think what i'm doing in a empiric way in a, in a spontaneous way and the fact that i have to think but how how did i achieve this makes me uh more aware of of my lines and when i'm it's funny yeah. when i'm teaching i'm aware but when i'm when i go to sketching because i already thought okay this is going to be like it's way easier because okay i know i know this is the technique and i and i have that in my hands and it goes easily to the point yeah when when you're just when we're just drawing then th- it's this natural style and you know these challenges that you will overcome and we've overcome it in different ways before so it's just about getting into that autopilot zone but teaching is very interesting because it you have to go through each of those steps manually now 
the things that your brain just goes from step one to step five because it's done it so many times in so many pages. But then when you break it down for someone else, you end up actually learning more about yourself that way. That when someone points out to you that you just went from step one to step five because you don't consciously right, see it otherwise. Right. And so it's it's interesting how teaching becomes a lesson for the teacher also. And sometimes we can have these stumbling blocks that we get stuck on. And only by explaining it to a third person, it suddenly the solution comes in front of you. Yeah, because I think we are so uh, visually workers that we don't need words to explain what we're doing. The, the work itself is already an explanation. Look, it's done. And when we have to actually deliver the message to somebody, it's, it's like what you said. It, it makes us grow because we put in like in a formula or in a way that people can understand our our methods so now you're do, you're going on long trips you're obviously you are everything you need on that trip you're carrying on your back whether you're on a cycle whether you're walking you are taking all your belongings with you what do what does your backpack look like can you tell me how much how much share of it is uh, your survival necessities and what is the portion that you take for purely for your art? I really want to be mobile because I need my both hands to be uh, ready for whatever. So um, I use normally a, a, a front uh, funny pack. I, I think it's the way it's called. It's a funny pack where I can actually put an A5 sketchbook and a, a small watercolor set of 12 pens like this. And then I use all sort of brushes, but the, the water brush, the synthetic ones are my, my choice because they, they dry quite easily and I can just wash it and clean it very fast. And, and they are very portable. I don't need to carry extra water with me and, and have all the time the brush wet. And obviously I also use the, the, the other let's say natural brushes uh for for the for the for the painting if i'm with a bit more patient in time and that was it i i always carry two or no three or four extra sketchbooks because in between journeys i don't know or cities i don't know where i'm going to find good quality sketchbooks at at some point of my travel i felt like no i'm going to use local local sketchbooks and the results was very, very frustrating because I really wanted to keep on having watercolor on it, keep keep doing painting the way I I I can I can I can already master it, let's say. And jumping through papers, you need to also jump to techniques and eventually use pencils or use uh, pastel or use another things because the paper cannot hold water. And I felt no, I'm 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 not in I'm not in the moment of learning this way at the moment. I, I just I'm I'm in the moment of capturing. I need to capture, capture, capture. So if I can cut, if I can cut the feeling of uh, frustration every time I do a sketch because the paper is bad or the sketchbook is not the way I think it should be, then it's a huge step to continue and ha and be happy traveling and sketching. When you're discovering, of course, yes, do it at home try everything, explore everything. But in a journey, you, you have to be practical. And that's what I use, most of it. And, and then for the surviving, it's very practical and small stuff. Like 
the 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 smallest sleeping bag, the smallest down jacket, the 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 lightweight uh, mattress. It's it's all. It has to be. It's on a bicycle. You have to invest because if you don't invest and you buy middle range or cheap stuff, you're gonna suffer on the way. And and if you like to go like like us, we like to go to the mountains, the hardest parts to see the best views. And then you're gonna suffer on the bicycle because you need yeah. to go light because you're gonna have bad roads or you have to carry your bicycle. And if you don't have good materials, you're gonna surf. You're gonna suffer with the colds or winds. And you have to, you should have good good uh, materials. When I saw people without good materials, they would rather go to the coast where it's a bit warmer than to the mountains where it's even more cold, of course. And you sleep under below zero most of the times right these these sketchbooks are so important like i'm completely with you on that like i what i do is i like to change sketchbooks so i like to once i've used a sketchbook of a certain dimension i like to change it to another kind of orientation another kind of dime just to just to change it's like it's a, the sketchbook is like the frame right in inside which i'm putting these different things together so i feel like if i change that frame it will change also the kind of things that I look for. If I have a sketchbook that is very tall and very thin, then it's naturally inclined towards things that are uh, vertically interesting. Say buildings are more interesting then. But if you have a sketchbook that's very wide, then you are more inclined towards drawing landscapes and things that are spread out. And those are the features that you point. So what is your favorite style of sketchbook what kind of orientation do you prefer what kind of size do you prefer i would pick for i don't know if some people is going to watch this but i'm, I'm gonna I, I prefer to see i prefer to do like a4 uh, if i'm in a comfort zone if i'm not traveling on a bicycle otherwise i, I would rather go for a5 watercolor and my favorites have been uh the moleskine and the hanyamula ones that um they are actually supported on my trip, and so I do like the, the 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 page. It's it's a good page to do the the watercolor, and then even for the for the lines, I I quite like because it's it's a thin, it's it's a bit thin. It's not too too grainy. Um, and when I'm working on A4, sometimes I have tendency to to do like squares where I draw the subjects that I want. And it depends, of course, on the trip that I'm doing. Some trips I can have a bit more uh, landscape uh, sketches, more open sketches. And some trips I I, I have a bit more um, like little stories on one page, like compositions. And 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 I felt as well that sometimes the the country that you are traveling is going to suggest you to draw different ways. Another thing that nowadays I like to do is when you flip the page, I want to feel that there is a, a different technique or a different approach. Don't try. A good example is, for example, uh, down low. Uh, he, he, I've been with him a few times and his sketchbooks, he also tries to, to paint one way in one page, the next page is going to be black and white, the next page is going to be just pencil. And so he also tries to not sketch the same way, to not get bored of his own style. Or 
And of course, he needs to understand, okay, for this subject, I go with just strong brushes uh, and, and, and just a little wash. And, and I think that's, that's what I also try to do as much as I can with the subjects that I, that I see. Uh, and, I, and, and it depends where you are, because if you are in humid countries, you have to approach in a different way. And if you are in the dry, super dry countries where you put what they're called in, in 10 seconds, it dries, then you need to approach in a different way as well. So you have to play with what you have in front or the weather conditions. How does, how does the, the presence of or the attention you get from other people affect this? Because I imagine in, in Europe, like I, I lived a few years in the Netherlands and it's, I feel like it's much easier to get away with doing something if you're drawing something on the side of the street or a park in Europe and you won't get noticed by even one person. As compared to if you're in Asia, if you're in India, then everybody's going to see it and nobody is going to be shy of approaching you. They will all want to see exactly what... So how, how does that affect how you draw, what you draw, and uh, do you feel comfortable with that? You have to. At some point, you have to... Or you start to feel super frustrated because you cannot express yourself. You're in front of a beautiful temple and you want to sketch. And because some people is going to look at you, you don't want to sketch. You have to overcome it. And I, and I think Europe, in a way, it was my first experience traveling and sketching uh, hardcore, let's say, every day. It was my. It was where I start, and obviously, in some countries where were super fine, people would give me one meter of distance. They would just look and very far away, like they didn't want to interrupt me. But in China, for example, or India, it was very special because people they would totally change my sketch because I couldn't pay attention to just to, to sketch it. I had to stop sketching and look at the person, say something to them, and then. Okay, I now I can have to continue sketching and then and then I can I can finish. But some people in Africa, for example, they would stare from the beginning till the end and do free comments on my shoulder. And you just <laughs> have to go and laugh and make jokes. And obviously I wouldn't be a hundred percent focused on my sketch, but it yeah. becomes the story of that sketch too. Lapin, for example, he puts a lot of balloons. Comic mm -hmm. balloons, word balloons that that people say we can use. I think urban sketching or whatever you you you're doing, you have to use. It's almost like an actor. The actor uses the energy of the other actor to continue and improvise that action and never say no because if once you start to say no, you start to block yourself from the uh, ambience and then you are part of the ambience. You cannot ignore. And I remember one story in, in India. I was in the middle of a road starting my day and there was this guy on his phone, like if he was in his bed on his phone. But around him was totally the chaos. He was seated, laid on, you know, these this, uh, cow cars, but the car was just stopped. Uh, on his side, there was a, a huge cow. Uh, around him, there was motorbikes passing, a lot of smoke. And I look at him and he felt like he is totally relaxed. And for me, I was, I was like, how can this guy be here with so much fumes and dust and everything? And he's just chatting on the phone, totally unaware, totally relaxed where he is. And I said, well, okay, this, you need to accept. You need to, to be part of it. And, and that's it. it, it you, won't, you won't die, let's say. You, you, it's not, it, nothing bad is happening. And so that's, that, I remember this very well. And, and that, that, 
I keep reminding me that nothing it's it's going to be totally forever. Nothing is forever, and even even on the bicycle, when when we are tired and we are almost we we are still far away from the destination and we don't want to continue what we say we have like a mantra and we say to each other like it's just three days or it's just two days it's not going to be the rest of our life like this so let's try to to do it and let's try to show ourselves our body can continue doing this and uh-huh. and and uh-huh. push yeah um, I want to uh, go to Hong Kong now. So I remember seeing some uh, photos that you drew of protests in Hong Kong. Um, until then, I expect you were drawing largely peaceful scenes, busy scenes, maybe chaotic scenes, but largely peaceful scenes. But now you're at this event where so much is in chaos and so much is unexpected. Of course, as a foreigner, you also wouldn't know what's coming next. Where will this protest lead to? Uh, what kind of events are going to happen in one hour or two hours. So what what was it like to sketch something in which there was so much uncertainty for you? And what what were you seeing at that time? What was what was the draw? Hong Kong was my second time of being on a civil war, let's say. It was the first time was in Istanbul, uh in Turkey, where they also had a, a big protest in Taksim Square. And I and I was there sketching with my hands shaking. I, and Hong Kong was like you said very peaceful people are very organized and it's hong kong it's 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 uh, it's very it's it's amazing how people respect each other's space and everything but in that time was special because it was a new hong kong coming and i really started to sketch without knowing what's going on i didn't know the deep problems of they were they were fighting for so i went to the streets because it was new the re- the street was stopped. How is it that possible? I went to start to sketch. Then Rob joined me. More people uh, joined me. Can we, I'm saying Rob Sketcherman, the digital. Yeah, yeah. And he, we were together sketching many times, and we with the urban sketchers from Hong Kong too. And suddenly, because I was probably the most free sketcher available in town, I went to sketch every day. And the more I was going there. I was making them questions. I was trying to understand the movement and try to understand what they were fighting for. And I felt like a reporter, in, in a, a sketcher reporter. And, and I said to myself, well, if I'm here, I'm going to try to take as much as I can. I don't have a camera. I have a sketchbook. I will try to. And it was many times I was very close to, to, to be beaten, let's say, because I really want to be close. I don't know yeah. what was in my mind, but it, it, I was into that movement. And there was a moment there was really there was like a front line of the protests of the 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 people, and then the front line of of the police. And I was in the middle sketching with my paper. And my my friend she just picked me in my arm and he said, "What are you doing here? You have to leave. You, you the, the guys they're gonna start to 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 charge." And I said, no, I'm fine. I, I'm just sketching. Nobody cares. I felt like, <laughs> I, I, in that time, I remember that, okay, the sketchbook is not a shield. huh? <laughs> I cannot protect <laughs> yeah. myself with, with a sketchbook. And, and I remember the funny part she said to me, like, you don't even have an umbrella. Do you remember? It was an umbrella movement. <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, said, yeah. no, but I have my sketchbook. So I don't know. Then it became a joke. Uh, 
but uh, it it's you know it's it become like a responsibility uh, i got i got a good attention back back those days uh, the media was all there there was nothing happening so there was so many artists doing stuff that the media started to put their attention on the artists and i got lucky that my work got seen by many people and i felt now i cannot just stop doing it i i have to continue doing it at this at certain point and that was it i think i i remember that i said i really would love to do this more often to be uh on places where it's complicated and i and i do like sketching journalism um and and i don't know i i think it's a the meaning of sketching changes totally when you're sketching for your own you know beautiful world that it's in your head or when you actually have to document something or like you have to go to a, a, a zoo and you have to document a birth of a giraffe or something it's so stressful because you only have one chance to capture that moment yeah. that is going to be in your head forever maybe and it's totally different when you have those moments and when you have a tower in front of you and you have to sketch a tower for example because even if you sketch bad the giraffe having birth it's fine nobody's going to judge you but if you sketch bad the eiffel tower because it's a bit wang, then everybody's going to say no it is not good <laughs> yeah 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 that's so true it's difficult you could say that it's more difficult to sketch the dynamic scene but it comes with more forgiveness because everybody is already appreciating the like the fact that you're drawing something that's so momentary that that it's just such a fleeting moment it doesn't need to be even in our memories it is not a concrete memory it's not a still image in our memories when we think of such events they are always moving events so it's almost more accurate that the sketch of it is also not completely static it shows some amount of dynamic and it shows the the mood and the the feelings of the artist at that time in you feeling unsafe and therefore maybe hurrying your drawing during a protest or drawing something with less care is also adding more character to that sketch and to that page exactly that is of course if you're going to draw paris and you're going to draw the beautiful eiffel tower it's the icon of perfection so your sketch has to be perfect it's it those those demands just increase as well but i i like i like for example when artists or sketchers they do that same character to buildings that we all know but they give that character that it's that it makes me feel like well wow, this this tower is alive like for example rob he bends everything or or even lapin he bend, or imna imna also change every everything with those the, those strong colors so i think the, the more we try to um, be that 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 fast with our hand perhaps we're going to end up winning a more uh, character with with our with our way of sketching and 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 find our one way of speaking that's that's very true and this is something i really admire about being in this urban sketching community people come from all these different backgrounds and professional skills and you have people who are architects so obviously they approach buildings with a very different point of view that i do and different people therefore have different strengths a lot of people are so good at drawing buildings but not at drawing people in my case i'm much more comfortable drawing human life and not as comfortable drawing architecture so 
we look at each other and we learn from each other and we pick up tips from each other and even if we don't fully like i'm not completely going to be comfortable drawing buildings but from looking at my fellow artists i've picked up a lot of hacks and quick tricks that i can play to make it look like i did my job shortcuts and yeah <laughs> those shortcuts are so invaluable and that's that's why it's great to be in a diverse community with like everybody drawing the things that they are interested in rather than drawing the one thing that they've been told to draw because then everybody's shortcuts come out and everybody's unique skills come out and i think that's what happened when you travel you all those shortcuts for example or all defenses we have they just go away because well i never sketched this for example i, I never been into this kind of uh, form so i i'm i need to start somewhere and 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 i think that's what i wanted with my travel all these years it was try to sketch at least for the first time one thing that i never sketched before so if i see a, a something that i never sketched don't ignore it just try it don't don't that's what i say when when people avoid people when people avoid people on their sketching i said don't avoid what you see maybe it won't be perfect today or you won't like it but don't avoid it because then you're you're having an invisible elephant in the room and you will never going to talk about it like if if it doesn't make part of it just try and and you're not going to ruin your sketch you're going you're going to learn i remember to be super frustrated when i did a in my mind i did a very nice line work but then when i was adding color it, i just destroyed the sketch because i put too much pigment or i i didn't manage to to use well the color and i felt wow i spent one hour and now it's it's gone my my theory was okay so the next time don't spend one hour in one line on the line spend less and then spend a bit more time on the painting because that's what you should think and that was the process of of for me growing was and i would go to bed thinking what went wrong that was my also one of i think what what made me grow was my the fact that i was really into it i was not doing it today and then in 15 days I will do another sketch was every day I was doing three to four sketches when I start this trip and obviously I had the time to you know make errors and learn error and learn error and learn and and see my learning curve grow in a way that I I felt okay yeah yeah uh, tell me about this this uh, the trip you took in Africa what were some of the I'm thinking about how we're talking about you know we're talking about comfort zones in different ways right like what are the things we are comfortable drawing the only way to really draw sustainably every day is if you draw things that are interesting you push your curiosity because otherwise no matter how good of an artist you are if you don't push curiosity you don't approach it looking for something new you will not be able to sustain it for very long in my opinion so I'm now thinking about how also not just what you are looking at changes but also how you are feeling where you are changes and how much how much weather must play a factor like if you are cold or if you are hot or if you are un, unaccustomed to humidity or to extreme heat how does that affect things so describe to me your your journey in africa and how that how that trip how, how did you even think about how you were going to do it because it's i i i expect it's just as alien a continent to you as it is to me So how did you think about I'm going to go to Africa this is how I should go about it Uh well 
it's it's good to have some uh, some some ideas how things can happen but i think it's more important to have space for whatever happens uh, it's I mean, what I mean is it's nice to have a plan, but life has, has teach me like don't have plans is better. So in that terms, I would look and think, okay, my journey it's is change with some routines change every day. So every day there is something different, the place that I'm staying or the people I meet. Since I'm doing everyday sketching more or less, I can do like a diary. So my motivation to sketch would be the people I met, the things that is going to happen. Uh, if I'm really tired, then it's a good moment to relax, sit and and maybe draw without thinking it has to be something special. Just draw from a tire to a bottle to something that is totally insignificant. But when you look, Luis, you're going to feel like, oh, I remember this moment because it tells me this story. So the subject, if you don't have anything important around you, you have to look at you. You have to look at what you're doing, where you're going. Even the breakfast in the morning can be a subject. You can Many things, your shoes can be a subject because they were dirty from that earth. There are so many things that you can put on the sketch or you can write that you just need to be aware. And, and I think that's the, 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 the task is tiredness is going to always happen no matter the way you're traveling and for me africa the the biggest the biggest um task or the the hardest moments were when i was surrounded by people who has not even good water to drink and my bottles were better than anything they would have and and this poorness were really devastating for me to relax and sketch you know i had to be aware of whom i i was watching and and not treat them as as parrots like i give you money and you let me sketch you i i don't like to destroy environments even if if even if they are used to that kind of tourism that they reach places and they just give money take two pictures with the phones and then they leave they they they, they don't give anything else uh, and also to be aware that I don't have a lot around me, even if I really would like to give a bunch of food or or whatsoever. And you have to always understand the commitment uh, of what they really need, what what they really because maybe in my eyes they were poor, but for them it's their reality. You know, we can I cannot judge. I shouldn't judge that fast to think okay. You know, they are really poor. They are starving. They are look look around, not not just look your world and compare to them. It's it's how. So so that was the hard part. Is always to to. I remember one situation that I was on a tribe, on many tribes, and I look a very beautiful girl in terms of the dressings and the the tribe the tribe colors and everything. And I said, well, this would be amazing if I could have this this uh, one-to-one sketching, you know. She could pose for me for a while. And I asked her between a, a friend that I had, and she was doing the conversation because they could not speak even Portuguese or, or English or whatever. This was in Angola. And uh, once I started to have a conversation and, and we agree because she was asking for money, and I said, but this is going to be more than money. This is going to be 
it's not going to be a picture, but they could not understand I was sketching, what he's sketching. So, okay, we're going to give you some money. There was another guy on top of her, different cast, that came to ask more money than she was already agreeing with me. And so it it generated a little bit of a misunderstanding. The, The guy was a bit drunk. And you have to move. You have to go with that moment and... And in the end, the, the best part for me of that sketch is when I finished the sketch, I was totally sweating uh, of the stress because around me there was all type of people, different tribes, talking, making comments. I would do a line. You know when you do a line and there's already a comment? I was doing the feet and the people were already shouting, oh, he's doing the feet. <laughs> and the, the girl was super shy in front of me. And um, it was almost a happening, you know, like an art moment over there. And in the end, the girl, she wanted to follow me. She wanted to come with me all the way uh, where I was living almost. And I felt now she understood the power of what happened here. And when I show her the, the, the book, she didn't know how to sign. So I pick her finger and I put like this on a finger, on, 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 a, on a book. And I don't know, I still don't know what was in her head. Like if if it was weird for her, all the experience, or if she felt connected or if she didn't felt connected. But there was a moment that the, the, the local lady that was with me helping me, she said, she, she, she's feeling this very important for her because she's following us. And normally she would get the money and leave, but she's following us. So I, I think that that's it's a mi- it's a mix of experiences that um, when when you are in Africa you have to and I only did a little bit um, uh, Namibia it's almost like a half Western uh, because it was very German lo- uh, uh, colonized there so it's half German even the supermarkets and everything when you when you go to Angola it was also half Portuguese but it's it's a bit more back to the roots, and and so it's very interesting. Also, I had a moment in the tribes of in, in Namibia, but um, I don't know. You have to have you have to to have a a big amount of uh, flexibility in a, in a, in a, in Africa. Yeah. Um, so you're going there as with these minimal uh, minimalistic rules. You are not taking too many flights. You're traveling by road. You're traveling with your backpack. And of course, you have a limited budget. But along the way, you were able to find support from companies. Uh, what, what, how did that work out? Who, who reached out to you? Did you reach out to them? Did you also reach out to your many fans on social media for any way to support you? Well, during these years, I've tried many, many ways. There are... Uh, in some time, sometimes I would uh, exchange uh, paintings or or uh, photos because we also have our camera gear and everything. So we would do documentaries or small publicity, small videos to hotels and everything where we could stay and rest a bit longer, more comfortably. Uh, sometimes in some countries where the communities are stronger, we could I could do uh, workshops or uh, speaking talks about the, the world sketching tour and and my experience as a sketcher around the world um, and I would give as well a bit of um, local sketching so a demo or something 
in some occasions I would uh, do sort of um, um, commission work where people would ask me, okay, can you draw me this for my friend or for, you know, personal uh, commissions. And the last year and a half, if I'm not mistaken, uh, we joined Patreon where people could also help us as a creator. And for Africa, uh, we also ask, I, I, I draw a full A4 sketchbook with with the best moments of South America. And I draw uh, those those moments and I did like a raffles so people could buy one or two or one or many they want raffles and then it will be a lottery uh, to receive this. Although each raffle they would get a, a postcard and it would be a way of us to say thank you for for that. I'm quite fascinated by Patreon, for example. Uh, can you tell me more about what you offer to people who support you on Patreon and uh, how it's working for you? Well, Patreon needs, of course, you to to keep delivering stuff. And that was a bit of my cons- uh, problem was I, I don't have the time to always produce content because on the road is hard. Uh, but I was giving them uh, um, early access to my videos and of course um, postcards if if they like there are different pledge some were just well thank you for one dollar for example and then for the videos would be another price and I would also every month I would give them um, a digital uh, um, sketch. I mean, a, a, a copy, uh, a scan of one, one or two sketches that I that I did, and I would give them the high quality. So if they want, they could print or use it on the on the computer. Uh, and that that was it. That 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 was the 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 people were really enjoying now the 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 journey that I that it's on. It's actually on YouTube that the videos of traveling and sketching all together. They're really enjoying the way I was telling the story. But then this happened and I decided, okay, now I'm not traveling. I don't want to go back on those videos. And I and I need to have a bit of more uh, income, let's say. So I decided to do stop the Patreon now and move, move more towards the sketching, which is I'm lacking now. Because if I just start to edit my videos, I will totally not sketch at all. So I started to think, okay, now I'm going to do videos explaining because I also have the time, I have my table, I'm not moving all the time to not having a, 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 a good place to do this. So I'm, 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 I, I kind of transfer the patron to my website and have more control because in the end of the day, you are always publiciting patron. You're not publiciting your own thing. And yeah, people are exactly. a bit fed up of, of, of listening patron, patron, patron. And here I am saying yeah. three times the name. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think if, we, if we can have our own, our own uh, platform to do that, to, to have it, I think it's better even for the community. Yeah. Yeah, a, a lot of a lot of artists who are looking to who who have subscriber bases that would support them are always thinking about the different ways to do this. So, in the urban sketching community, also I've had lots of conversations with people about Kickstarter versus Patreon versus something else, 
and having your own website so this is this is a very important subject i think for a lot of people who are trying to to make a brand to be something with their work to be able to sustain them even uh, well without even thinking of big numbers to even be able to sustain the things that make them happy so just to keep being being able to do these things and allowing people to chip in to make it possible for you and then offer them something in return so it's we've segued very nicely to your website world sketching tour can you tell me uh, how you've been using this covid time you've can't go out you can't travel but now you have a desk you have an internet connection and that's where you can be so how are you using this restriction as well as this opportunity to reach your fans and to reach people who are interested in your work i've been like trying to digest what actually people like about world sketching tour what 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 is the because i've been done i've been doing things uh, a bit selfish like i want to this i want to go to this place i'm going to sketch this i want to so it has been a lot about me during this these years which is fine people like the way the way i do and everything but i i i wanted to understand what exactly are their interests like what what they are interested on growing or knowing or learning something from my experience besides but how much money you have or how much how much time you spend in here or you know those basic questions are kind of depends on each person i know people who travel without money that just go one place to another and ask for help and and they move along i know people that they always stay in luxury hotels and and so they they always find a way to get in this lot so there are many ways it's always about your drive it's what you want to and so i'm trying to since i i can slow down now i i don't have to rush and go anywhere uh i'm i'm trying to just understand what people would like to and i start again i start this this uh, uh tutorials and i found it interesting that once i put and i start to do it a bit blind it, people now are commenting oh i have difficulties on drawing this and i said okay next time i'm going to do something explaining how i can draw this and maybe this can help you next next time you're going to try to do the same subject and i felt that it it's more meaningful sometimes when you put your ideas and your uh reach a result it's still a bit empty because you're working with machines like the 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 camera and then editing and everything but then when you actually have the feedback from people that is it joins you i feel that okay now this is a good feedback i'm going to work for you now and and i think the people that have that opportunity to have one on one with me now because i don't know tomorrow but i really love to travel so i don't know if i can yeah. stay too long <laughs> <laughs> but that's 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 such a nice way to put it though because we all need to do this too you mention it as being selfish when you draw just what you want to draw and that's also completely crucial to being an artist to have a very strong sense of what you want what you enjoy and then to follow that and to just not think about what is it that other people are saying that's such an important thing to be able to do and you need so much confidence to do it but then you do reach a phase where now that 
you reach a certain level of progress with that and then you have to change tactics again and it helps so much to start to get feedback from people and what you mention is very interesting to me it's also the along the lines of what i think what is it that people like to see about what i do and try to understand what somebody else is getting from it is so important to being to understanding your role as someone who's showing art to someone there is that aspect of an artist that i'm satisfying my own self and every day you meet those demands every day you satisfy your own self and you feel happy but this other aspect of what is it that people other people like about me what is it that they get from me and to be able to set up a forum in which you are getting those questions from them and they are able to reach you one on one that's that's like a great it's a great step to take and it's it's also just as crucial as following your own mind and following your own instincts i think it's like when you have friends and your friends tell you hey uh that jacket doesn't suit you very well you know you should you should wear a different jacket it's a free comment or it's a, a friend opinion that you can take it in consider or not and you can still use it now this is me and i like this jacket and i screw you i don't care or you can you can listen and you can think okay maybe yeah yeah that was it. that's that's a good a good thing to to do and i think that's without losing myself without letting go who i am because in the end of the day if i'm starting to do things just to please i'm going to hurt myself in the end but being aware being being listen to the people i think and being being like to have this solar um, being solider i don't know if this word exists but being being um, in 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 a in, in a way that you can understand what are your audience like and instead of doing something just for you but doing something for them as well you will you will have more feedback with that i don't i don't think that's bad i think that's a that's a way to say thank you guys you're you're there and i and i'm listening to you and and i think that's a that's that's the best way that's so true yeah in the end so much is possible because of so many people caring about it so much comes because of this and it's it's also the artist's job to then find the right way to get that quest you know like you mentioned your friends telling you and that can be solicited uh, feedback or unsolicited feedback but a lot of people might want to speak to you but they don't speak to you out of nervousness out of not knowing if it's polite to comment on your story and ask you a question so it's often the responsibility of the person creating the art to provide a forum in which somebody who enjoys it can see it and then feel comfortable enough to ask you a question to provide a forum where you know i'm going to take you through my process you are going to look at the video and then you can ask me whatever you want and then you give them that permission that let's let's connect especially now right like we were talking about how we connect with urban sketchers you could just look over their shoulder oh this is how this person is doing these lines and then you learn but now we can't meet each other so easily we can't meet strangers easily at all so it's these channels of feedback and communication teaching each other learning from each other they have to be opened up in different technological ways it's funny though because i think 10 years ago we were more curious to ask questions than today today we are more afraid in 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 waiting that somebody give us a permission to ask questions when when for example 10 years ago i would just 
go for questions immediately. If I know, if I, if I see somebody work, I would comment, I would do a lot more things. Nowadays, m many people are just watching uh, because there, there are so much going on that I, I, I have that feeling. But uh, for example, when, when, when I travel, I know that if you need something from somebody, you cannot just sit and wait. You have to go and, and you have to ask and and you have to be a bit more proactive. And I think sometimes that's what artists can lack of. And I include myself on that is like I'm showing the sketch and I'm just waiting for whatever that happens. And we forget to <laughs> yeah, take the exactly. next step to interact, yeah. to to just, uh, you know, this this already took me so much to, to sketch. So then you can just appreciate. I don't have to do anything else. But if you see the younger generation, they are so much steps ahead than us on, on, that, on that thing because they know how to really interact better because the questions we have when we are one-on-one, on one, we grew up to have always people around us and make questions. The kids nowadays, I think they are so used to have the phones that they make questions on the phone. They, they interact way easier than us they have this digital social connection that we that we i mean people are that got used to have around their friends all the time to make questions have coffee well here it's custom like that it's it's a habit but we are used to always have someone next to us like making questions to a machine doesn't make sense to, yeah, it, exactly, it doesn't. Right. It doesn't make sense to to to. What do you think about this? Mm -hmm. It doesn't make make. But the new generation, they do that like this immediately. Like yeah, in a way, COVID has pushed us to embracing. You know, like even this podcast. This podcast only exists because in the middle of COVID, I realized that I'm missing out on learning from my fellow colleagues who draw with me. And so many people must be missing out because we are not able to to meet. And so the COVID has kind of pushed us to embrace this, this uh, communication over a digital medium, which we are not as comfortable with as a physical medium. Um, this brings me to the end of my amazing questions and your absolutely fantastic answers. Thank you so much, Luis. I learned so much in this. I want to ask you one last question, though, which is something I ask all my guests. I, uh, and you are in a unique position to answer this because you've met so many people who are in who who are the subjects of my question. My question is, what would you say to as an urban sketcher, as a traveler, as a person who travels not only travels but also records his travels through a sketchbook? What would you say to somebody who does not do these things? as one good reason why they should consider drawing from observation, just drawing their world? I think the good reason is uh, uniqueness. Uh, what you have, if you do it, is you will, not, you will not have the same postcard or the same magnetic that you buy and you put in your home when you get back after your trip. You're going to have records and moments of your experience that come from your inside is like writing it's like creating something with your own ends and because it's your ends you will not you don't need something to process it it's you processing so the more you invest on you the more you grow as a person as someone that 
can see things a bit more calmer or can see things a bit more deeper and you can appreciate the moments a bit easier. I never agree with those kind of travels that you go to a trip for seven days and you have to, you know, have these checklists that you need to see everything. I believe that you end up off that trip and you will just assimilate what happened to you, like the, the symposiums, two weeks later. Uh, I, I think if if you only have seven days, you can just dedicate those days to experiment many things that you don't experiment when you, have in, when you are in your routines. And sketching or listening music or whatever it's those things that you do to yourself that makes you step out of you know the the common the common people because i know if i was traveling and taking photos people look at me as a totally tourist and because i have a sketchbook people treasure me and they put me in a level that it's not the same I'm not saying that I'm better or, or not. I'm just saying that it's different. People would ask me more questions. People would even help me more because they they ask me, but why are you sketching? Oh, because I have this project. Wow, okay. And it goes and goes and goes. I think those are the, the biggest changes that you can do to yourself by sketching. And of course, developing, developing a, a, an art on you, I think it's something that has a value for the, the the person more than just trying to sell trying to to make beautiful canvas or what or whatever i think i think it's like a a, a good a, a good hobby or a good a good motivation for you to go to places and, and try to demonstrate them on sketching or or drawing or writing or whatever i always say if you go try to have a project try to have something that you feel connected with even in a lonely day, you, you know that you can have that company and you can do something with it. That was the episode. Thank you for listening. Very quickly now, uh, you can follow Luis's work on Instagram at worldsketchingtour or visit his website. That's also worldsketchingtour.com to look at sneaky art, which is what I call my drawings of urban life. Find me on Instagram at the sneaky artist or go to my website sneakyartist.com. Thank you for listening and I hope you have a good day. Mm-hmm.